My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked him, Which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, The first is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you are right in saying he is one, and there is no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. The gospel of the Lord. How many of you remember driver's education? For some of you, it was probably just a few years ago. I'm not sure how much has changed because for me, it's now 31 years ago. And wow, that is really not a fun revelation to stumble upon. But anyway. Back then, it was all done in, in school. It was two parts of one semester. The first marking period would be in classroom, and we would be talking about driving. We had this book from the New Jersey Department of Motor Vehicle that looked like it had been written in the 1960s. It had all kinds of rules and laws about driving. We had all these videos, oh, those videos, about how to drive. And again, most of them were looked like they were produced in the 1960s. You had these women in these beehives and poodle skirts, these guys in these shirts and ties demonstrating how to drive. The one exception was a more current film showing the effects of drunk driving. I think it was called Death Highway or, or something. I just remember it being really, really horrific, making the point of just how hor- horrific drunk driving was. But this part of Driver's Ed was designed to, to give you all the theories behind the practice. I remember they told us there was this rule of thumb for highway driving, or as they put it, on the speedway or the motor highway. For every 10 miles per hour that you were driving, you were supposed to be one car length away from the car in front of you. So at 40 miles per hour, you're supposed to be four car lengths, and you could measure that by using your thumb, like to figure that out. I just remember one guy in my class raising his hand saying, I thought we were supposed to keep both hands on the wheel. How are you supposed to use your thumb to count how many car lengths? And she threw him out of the class. Anyway. <laughs> Second half of the semester, though, after you had completed all the theory part, you were finally put into a car with another driver's ed teacher and just went out on the road. And it was amazing because as excited as you were to finally get behind the wheel and to drive, there was still a great amount of fear. And the one student that I was paired up with, she got behind the wheel first. And when our gym teacher, who we nicknamed Gumby, 
it's not really important, but I just wanted you to know that. We call them Gumby. Um, and if you saw him, it was for obvious reasons. Anyway, our instructor, he said, what do you do first? And she froze. So I said, put the key in the ignition. And then she said, no, no, adjust the mirrors. And then I said, oh, no, buckle your seatbelt. I don't even remember what the first thing we were supposed to do or what the correct answer was. It wasn't that. I just remember Gumby yelling at us saying, how did you pass the first part of the semester? But anyway, there are a lot of rules. There are a lot of laws and a lot of things that were important to driving for a whole bunch of various reasons. But then there's a, a day after studying them that you just got to get behind the wheel and you just got to start to drive. You got to start to put it into practice. And you start to realize that there's a lot of wisdom to all those things. There's wisdom to that rule of thumb that if you have to stop suddenly, you want to have enough space to, to hit the brakes. But that becomes a little bit more of a, a driver's instinct that you develop, especially here in New Jersey. When are you ever going to have six car lengths in front of you in the Garden State Parkway? I mean, never, at least without people like swerving in and out. Anyway, the idea is that you don't want to be right on top of someone. Or when you've seen or you've heard or you've had some sort of an experience about what a drunk driver has done, usually that rule and that, that law becomes very real and it sinks into as to why there's no compromise that if you have any alcohol or drug that can affect your abilities to, to react and to be alert, you don't drive. The theories, the laws, they move into practice and they're validated in a way that you couldn't have appreciated before. And the hierarchy of importance to them becomes apparent as you get behind the wheel and you drive. Well, today's gospel is an example of moving from theory to practice, from studying to doing, from moving from the mind to the heart and soul, this time with the rules and the law of God. We just heard Jesus have this encounter with yet another scribe, someone who's been studying the law probably most of his adult life among a whole group of people who were doing the same thing as well. And they were all good at, at theorizing and debating and arguing with one another, with all kinds of other groups of Jewish leaders. What laws are the most important to God? How do you interpret them? When did someone violate them? And what do you do in those instances? Or how does one law fit in among all the others? But in some ways, these leaders, these scribes, could end up being so stuck in the theory and the study and the particulars, it's kind of like they took the driver's ed class, but they've yet to get behind the wheel of the car. Because as Jesus approaches them, here they're encountering the, the fulfillment of the law, as well as the fulfillment of the prophets and the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures. Yet they, they don't recognize him as such. Rather, they perceive him as a threat. Right in the verses before this gospel passage, they've been putting forth all kinds of law-related questions, all in an attempt to try to box Jesus into a corner to try to discredit him. So as this scribe comes forth, there's something different about him, though. He asks a question, which is an important one, and one that no doubt all of his fellow scribes and Jewish leaders had argued over as well. Which is the first of all commandments? I used to think, are they asking, like, what's his number one of the top ten? You know, like, of the top ten commandments, which is his favorite? But actually, it's a little bit more complicated than that. 
one of the things that had defined the Jewish people was that they had this covenant relationship with God. And essential in this was that the chosen people had a law that was their way of showing God that they were in relationship with him. So the number of commandments and laws that people had to follow as part of that covenant had grown from those 10 into hundreds of others that had developed just as they recognized how difficult and as imperfect people as they were to follow those 10. So all these other rules were try, try to help them to live more as people of the covenant. And all kinds of interpretations and debates raged over what was the first, what was the most important, and how Jesus answered what was his interpretation would have put him in a particular camp, which could have also put him in odds with other ones. And that's why Jesus' response is so revolutionary to his listeners, because he puts the love of God on an equal pairing with love of neighbor. A safer answer to all this would have just to love God alone, because love could have left it somewhat general enough, and some could have argued that love of neighbor kind of fell under that anyway. But by Jesus equating love of God and love of neighbor, he's telling them that the mere adherence to the letter of the law is not enough. He's commanding them to start living in loving ways. He's telling them that their love of the one true God is only validated, it's only affirmed, it's only actualized when they actually go out and love others. And that's why this response is still revolutionary. It still challenges us collectively and individually. Because if you only focus on loving God, that's what gives life to extremism and radicalism. That's how you have terrorists driving planes into buildings in the name of religion. That's how you have people calling themselves Christian and then holding up a sign saying God hates and then insert a group of people that they've written off as a sinner. Their pursuit of God leaves no room for the weakness and the brokenness of humanity. But even outside those extreme examples, if we focus simply on loving God, eventually that leads us to a place where we have this moral superiority, where we believe that we're right and the rest of the world is just corrupt and wrong and going to hell. And in the process, we can forget our own faults and our own weaknesses, and basically our own need for Jesus and his salvation. On the other side, those who choose to focus simply on love of neighbor, you see the birth of secularism, where people will stand up for certain social justice causes that are important, but they'll ignore some other essential causes because maybe they come from God's law and scripture, or maybe they dismiss them explicitly because they come from scripture. That's how you have someone attacking a person's religious beliefs in favor of tolerance or inclusion. That's how you can have some argue that they're dedicated to taking care of the poor and then argue that abortion is one effective way to do that, ignoring the destruction of the most innocent of human lives, the baby in the womb. Jesus putting love of God and neighbor unequal pairing annihilates all those extremes and puts things back into right order and to balance. Yes, our love for God calls us to turn away from, from sin and do all that we can to eliminate sinful behaviors around us. But we have to do that in an encouraging way, recognizing our own failures, our own work 
that we need to do, especially as brothers and sisters, to avoid temptation. And yes, our, our love of neighbor and love of one another means that we're called to be our brother's and sister's keeper, but not at the expense of recognizing who it is that made us brothers and sisters in the first place and having reverence for him and the laws that he's given us. Jesus promises us that he will be our constant companion on the difficult road of life that we're all on. If we listen to him, if we follow his directions, we'll find it is possible to take the wheel and to drive.